Hey everyone, Josh Case here, your online campus pastor here at Calvary Christian Center. Welcome to our podcast. May today's message bring healing, hope, and ultimately transformation. Hope you enjoy today's message. He lives. If you believe it, give him praise right now. Come on and give him a shout right now if you believe it. Well, stand for the reading of God's Word. Who's hungry for the Word today? Welcome to the beginning of our vision series. I'm thankful to be a part of a church where after 25 years of pastoring, our vision is bigger than it's ever been. These next weeks at Calvary literally are going to be unforgettable. We're starting our series on vision called REAP. I told you before, REAP stands for Revival, Evangelism, Assimilation, and Prayer. We're going to win the lost in this next season. We're going to make disciples. Come on now. We're going to plunder hell and populate heaven. We're going to connect babies to adoptive parents. Come on, somebody. We're going to do significant things. Somebody make a little noise if you're glad to be a part of it. Amen. Welcome by live stream. I'm so honored to have you. Nehemiah 8, verse 1. Now all the people gathered together as one man. Somebody say one man. In the open square that was in front of the water gate, and they told Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses. The people asked for the word, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Then he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from the morning until the midday before the men and the women and those who could understand. And the years of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. So Ezra the scribes stood on a platform of wood which they made for the purpose And beside him, at his right hand, stood all these different ones who were assisting him. They were there. They know their name. Come on. Verse 5, and Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above the people. Mm. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. What are we doing right now? Standing for the reading of God's Word. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered, Amen! Amen! While lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads, and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, Yeshua and all the rest of them and the Levites helped the people to understand the law and the people stood in their place. So they read distinctively from the book in the law of God and they gave the sense and they helped them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah who was the governor, Ezra the priest and the scribe and the Levites who taught the people said to the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not want mourn or weep. For all the people wept 
when they heard the words of the law. Then he said, go on your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto the Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Hallelujah. So the Levites cried to the people saying, be still, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. I'm chasing depression out of here today. I'm chasing anxiety out of here today. How about this? I'm chasing sadness out of here today. I'm chasing the spirit of I quit off of this property today, out of your house today. This particular chapter, Precious, is called the revival chapter. How many of you want revival with Apostle? Anybody want it? I'm going to preach for a few minutes along these lines so you say you want revival. If you want revival, raise up your hands, and I'm going to give you the path and the price today for revival. God's about to unlock something supernatural in this room through this teaching and in you, and in you by live stream. Father, we pray today that you will awaken such a hunger for revival like Calvary and every campus has never seen. We are desperate for you, Lord. We are hungrier for your spirit and your power than we have ever been. Lord, we pray that this year would be a year where you move in ways we never dreamed or imagined. We declare real revival, not just a good service, but real revival will attach itself to our life and to this campus and every Calvary campus. If you receive that now, give the Lord an ovation. Come on, give him a shout and raise the roof. Uh, tell everybody in your neighborhood, so you say you want revival. So you say you want revival. You can be seated. Our mission is this. At Calvary, we literally exist to pursue revival. You can see it all around this campus. To pursue revival, to build unity, to release purpose and leave legacy. How many of you want to be a part of a church that does just that? But I don't want you to misunderstand our first priority. Make no mistake about it. We know that our first mandate is to pursue revival. We are after revival. I read an article this week on revival and one of the things the author said about revival is this. The author said it is cyclical, meaning that it starts and it stops. It'll crest and then it'll it will decline and eventually it will cease. And I began to think about revival, real revival. And I realized something, that revival only ceases when people stop pursuing it. As long as there was pursuit, revival was maintained and it even intensified. But in every great revival, when the people grew tired, when they began to be disenchanted, when they began to take it for granted and got unappreciative, when they compromised, 
when their agendas became greater than their pursuit of God, when religion took over, when a judgmental spirit came in, revival waned because these things began to be the goal. And the moment that pursuit stopped, the revival fire went out. And I want to say this, in many cases, it's not compromise that kills revival, it's religion. Because religion has its idea how revival's going to look, how long it will last and what it's gonna be like, but revival breaks the mold. Revival is out of the box. Revival burned in the early church. Just read the book of Acts. It burned in the early church, and all the while that it burned, it warred against the spirit of religion called Judaism. And Judaism was this agenda that the Judaizers had to go to the churches and say that salvation alone was not won by the cross. You would have to be circumcised to be saved. You would have to keep the feast days to be saved. It was Jesus saves plus Jesus saves plus religion. Jesus saves plus circumcision. Jesus saves plus keeping the feast day. But I've come to tell you, I want to turn the apple cart upside down and tell you that Jesus saves, not comma, Jesus saves, period. It's not Jesus saves plus the church of God. It's not Jesus saves plus the Catholic. It's not Jesus saves plus the assemblies. It's not Jesus saves plus the Baptist. It's Jesus saves, period. When not just period, exclamation point, hallelujah. Now, revival is very important. And I want you to understand that revival must be pursued. It must be continually hungered for. But don't refuse revival with awakening. Revival is one thing. Awakening is another. The church is revived. The world is awakened. The church is revived. A city is awakened. And you cannot have an awakening in your city, state, or region until there is revival in your church. So those of you that are hungry to see the region changed, those of you are, are, who are hungry to see Daytona and Ormond and Holly Hill and Palm Coast and New Smyrna and the greater the Orlando area, if you're hungry to see the region change, then the church has got to have revival because there cannot be awakening without revival. It is a church in revival that brings awakening in the land. So how many of you want to be a part of a church that is in revival that brings awakening to the lost? Here's the reality. There will be no awakening in our nation until there is revival in the church. And I've said it before, but I'll just reemphasize it. God is more concerned about the church than he is the nation.
It's quiet in here. Because the nation can't heal the church. But the church can heal the nation. Come on, the Republicans can't heal the church, heal, heal the nation. The Democrats can't heal the nation. The independents can't heal the nation. But I'm telling you, the church of the living God in fire baptized Holy Ghost revival can change everything. How many of you believe the nation needs awakening? Make a little noise if you believe America needs awakening. So the nation needs awakening. So if that's the reality, then the church must have revival. And this is why we pursue it. We never stop. If there is 100,000 people a week coming to Calvary campuses, if the traffic jams are backing up on Interstate 95 because folks are trying to get to Calvary here in Ormond or any of our campuses, understand this, we will still be pursuing revival. If our buildings are packed 10 times a day, we'll still be pursuing revival. If we can't plan a campus a week, we'll still be pursuing revival. If we have 500 people saved in a service, we'll still be pursuing revival. Because the only way that it will stop is when the remnant church stops pursuing it. So I have made it my mandate and my mission. As long as I've got left to stand before the people of God, I am going to lead the fellowship of the pursuit of revival. Who will pursue revival with me now? And you say, Apostle, I get it. I want it. I desire it. But understand today, precious, the real question is, you say you want revival. Do you really? Well, there's a heavy price tag for revival. Revival's going to cost you something. Revival will readjust your priorities. Revival will refocus your heart. In Nehemiah 8, as I said, precious, this is the revival chapter. If you say you want revival, know this. Number one, revival only comes when people refuse discord and embrace unity. <laughs> unity is the price for revival in the church. And without revival in the church, there can be no awakening in the land. How is the church going to win the world when we have not even won each other? Nehemiah said in Nehemiah 8.1, now all the people gathered as, shouted out, one man. And the church will only know revival in so much as we are willing to unify and gather as one man. It said all the people gathered as one man, not one white man. Not one Hispanic man, not one brown man, not one black man, 
Not one Republican man, not one Democrat man, not one independent man. Y'all ain't saying a whole lot to me. I wish I could find the church today. Not one Baptist man, not one Methodist man, not one Kojic man, not one AME man, not one Catholic man, but the church has to come together as one man, one sanctified man, one blood-bought man, one Jesus-loving man, one Bible-believing man. Where are the people that can say, Apostle, I'm right there with you. I want to stand as one man and show a divided world a united church. I'm tired of hearing people brag about unity. These preachers, my church is in unity. You know what? Everybody in your church is white. Everybody in your church is black. Everybody in your church thinks the same way about everything. Everybody in your church has the same philosophy. They all drive the same kind of car. Come on now. I went to one church one night and it was in the country. Every single vehicle in the parking lot was a truck. Come on, somebody. I didn't see a car in the, I was the only one that drove a car. You say we're in unity. No, that ain't unity, that's uniformity. I need somebody to talk to today. I said that's uniformity. There cannot be unity unless there is diversity. It takes diversity to produce unity. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad when I look around here today and I see that there is diversity in the house because where there is diversity, there will be unity. And where there is unity, there can be revival. And where there is revival, there can be awakening. It'll awaken white folks, black folks, brown folks, Hispanic folks. It'll, it'll awaken all kinds of folks. How many of you want to be in a church where we stand as one man? Hallelujah. As hard as it is to believe with this crowd that we have today, and we're having record crowds now on our campuses. We're touching more people than we ever had. There are people who did not make it back after COVID. And, and there are people who, who, who don't make it at, in the Calvary family. And I really believe that we cannot overreact when some folks don't make it and they find somewhere else to go and we bless them and want them to go wherever God's called them to go. But you can't stay here and be racist. You can't stay here and hate white folk. You can't stay here and hate black folk. You can't stay here and hate Hispanic folk. You can't stay here and be racist. That's all I'm gonna tell you. Oh, I feel something breaking right now. I said, you can't stay here. Some of y'all people of color said, I, I never thought that I would have a white pastor. I, I never thought that I would have, a, some of you white folks said, I never thought I would go to a church like this. But let me tell you, welcome to the preview of heaven because when you get to heaven, yeah. Huh. 
And let me tell you, when you go to the restaurant, you don't care about what color the waiter is. All you care is that he's bringing the food. He's bringing the bread. And some of y'all said, Pastor, I don't care if you're red, yellow, black, and white. I don't care if you're polka dot. Just keep bringing the bread because I came for the bread. Uh. Good God Almighty, I feel Jesus in here today. I've been doing this so long that I have come to understand that when some folks left me, God was actually doing me a favor. So if you're ready to find yourself in unity with the church, Bible-believing church of the living God, make a little noise in this room right now. Hallelujah. Number two, you say you want revival? Revival only comes when people value and love God's word above all else. And when preachers have the boldness and the backbone to preach it. Stop right there and give God praise for his word, come on. Now don't miss this text in Nehemiah. The people are on the other side of their miracle. What has happened in this situation was they had been in bondage to Xerxes in Persia and they had spent decades in bondage. But God supernaturally set them free to go and rebuild the walls in Jerusalem and restore the temple. And they accomplished it in 52 days. How many of you know when God gets ready to move? Can't nothing stop him. Y'all, I just felt a prophetic word. You want me to release it or you want me to keep it? I said, you want me to release it or you want me to keep it? I got a lot of teaching to do, but I need to release this prophetic word. The whole thing turned in 52 days. The Lord said, get ready. Within 52 days, some of you are going to have a supernatural turnaround like you've never seen, dreamed, or imagined. You're going to go from death to life, from sickness to well, from broken to blessed. I dare you right now to give God praise. Ah. Y'all, so, so they're on the other side of their miracle. Make sure that on the other side of your miracle that you don't forget the one who gave it to you. They rebuilt the walls, but they're broken down themselves. They rebuilt the walls they revived the temple, but they need reviving themselves. Literally, the people needed to be rebuilt and revived. And we have churches now in America, and they have beautiful buildings, but it doesn't change the fact 
that even though we have nice facilities and beautiful buildings, the people that are coming in are dealing with ugly problems. And I don't want you to miss this. Here's what occurred, and this spoke to me sovereignly and supernaturally. Nehemiah 8.1, listen to those words. Bring back the book of the law. I'm paraphrasing. Bring the word of the Lord. You know you are about to have revival when the people start crying out for the word of God. Don't entertain us. Don't come in and give us a cute message. Don't give us a nice talk. Get that Bible out and preach to us the word of the Lord. It was like the people said, we don't need anything but the word. Don't make it cute. Don't make it watered down. Get that Bible out and preach the word. I'm telling you, you are about to see a revival like you've never seen when the people of God start saying, get the word out, preacher. Just preach the word. I dare somebody right now who's hungry for the word, just stop and give God a praise if that's what you want. I didn't come for a nice building. I didn't come for a good coffee. I didn't come for a nice donut before church. I didn't come to just hang out with my people. I came into the house of the Lord because I heard that there was a preacher who would open the book and preach the word. You know what they were saying? Nothing else has worked for us. Nothing else we've tried has worked for us. Everything else we've tried has let us down. Real revival will require a restoration of the preaching of the word. And I don't want to be ugly or mean, but preach or preach the word or take a seat. The people cried out, give us the word. And God still has some folks who knows we can't rebuild or revive ourselves. We need the word of the Lord. How bad do you want the word? I'm gonna ask you again. I said, how bad do you want the word? I'm going to ask you again. I said, how bad do you want the word? If I tried today to walk out of this room without preaching the word, how many of you would tackle me and stop me and say, don't you go anywhere until you preach the word? Jim Rayleigh, don't you leave the building till you preach the word? Is there anybody that wants it just like that? I dare the people who would stop me if I tried to leave without preaching the word. Give God a praise right now. Yeah. If you didn't come for anything less than a word from the Lord, come on, let's praise God that his word is being preached today. 
it was the people who made the demands on the preacher. So, verse 5, and Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, one translation said, the people rose up. They stood up. They had such a reverence for the word of God that they stood up. Y'all ain't ready for this. Some of y'all say, why don't you just take the chairs out of Calvary? We don't ever get to sit in them anyway. Come on, somebody. These people stood up from the morning to the afternoon. They stood up for five hours. And you think you stand up a long time during worship. Come on, somebody. They all rose to their feet. Here's a message for every preacher that's watching me. Preacher, if you want your church to rise, preach the word. They didn't rise until he opened the book. You want your church to rise, preach the word. You want families to rise, preach the word. You want children to rise, preach the word. You want young people to rise, preach the word. Don't preach your agenda, preach the word. Don't preach your opinion, preach the word. Don't preach your philosophy, preach the word. Preach the word and watch the church rise. How many of y'all are ready to rise with me and say, apostle, preach the word, I wanna rise. <sighs> Preachers get a backbone. I said, preachers get a backbone. I know that there's hundreds of preachers that watch me every week. I'm telling you, preachers get a backbone. Don't you cave to the culture. Don't you cave to what people desire. Preach the word. Preach the word and watch your church rise. Preach the word. Some of y'all are, are, are watching. Some pastors are saying, well, apostle, it's too intense. It's too demanding. It's too invasive. This generation won't understand it. They can't receive it. But I'm telling you, I am seeing churches now in the Calvary family that are exploding, not because we're so smart in the elemental parts of church growth, but because we are preaching the word of the Lord. Well, apostle, this generation, they can't understand it. The culture, the way that things are today, it's different than it was. They can't comprehend it. But look at verse 7. And Joshua and all the rest of them. <laughs> and the Levites helped the people. To understand the law. And the people stood in their place. You know why people are not standing in their place? You know why people are not standing in holiness anymore? It's because preachers have quit preaching the word. And inviting people to a higher level and standard of living. So. They opened the book, they declared the word, and then the Levites were right there, interpreting 
and explaining what was said so the people could understand it. You say, well, apostle, why? Remember now, these people had just come out of 52 years of bondage and slavery and captivity in Babylon and Persia. And Bible scholars tell us that they most likely lost their language. In other words, they lost the language of the kingdom and all they knew was the language of bondage. They lost their ability to speak Hebrew. They lost the language of the kingdom. I'm preaching better than your amening. And all they knew was the language of bondage. And here's the deal. We need preachers who are bold enough to speak the language of the kingdom and not the language of bondage. Somebody make a little noise if you hear what apostle is saying today. We need some mighty men of God women of God who will speak the language of the kingdom, who will preach the word. Too many preachers now have lost the language of the kingdom and they are now preaching in pulpits with the language of bondage. They are speaking the social gospel language. They are speaking the politically correct language. They are preaching the culture language. They are speaking the woke language. But there is a generation of preachers that's about to rise up, that's going to speak the language of the kingdom. I dare somebody right now if you're ready for the language of the kingdom, open up your mouth and give God a praise. Slap somebody and say, I want the language of the kingdom. Yes, 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 yes. These preachers are standing up and, 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 and they're speaking all the language of, 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 the, of the culture. They're speaking all the language of the politically correct. And then they wonder why nobody's getting transformed. They wonder why nobody's getting saved. It's because they've abandoned their kingdom language and they've embraced the language of bondage. Just this week, I saw three different national leaders. If I said their names, you would know their names. They basically said on their Instagram, they said, we need another gospel. Another gospel for those who are trapped in any kind of alternative or gay lifestyle. We need another gospel for those who are already sexually active. They can't do without sex. They can't do without sexuality, even if it's outside of marriage. But the Bible says, I want you to know that the devil is a liar. I said, I want you to know that the devil is a liar. You're never gonna hear another gospel here. You'll never hear me water it down. You'll never hear me stop preaching on sin. Because here's what the Bible says in Psalms 118.89. God's word is settled in heaven forever. God's word is settled in heaven forever. I don't care what Bishop so-and-so says. I don't care what Apostle so-and-so says. I don't care what Pastor so-and-so says. The word of the Lord is established forever. We don't change it. We don't rearrange it. We don't transform it. We speak it. And it does the work.
many of you can say, don't speak the language of bondage, speak the language of the kingdom. say apostle this generation won't understand it but I say just as in Nehemiah's day when there were Levites who stood with the people and interpreted or interpreted the language of the kingdom so do we have a great teacher an interpreter his name is the Holy Ghost Some of y'all better stop right there and give God praise for the Holy Ghost. And we speak the language of the kingdom. And the Bible says in John 14, 26, but we have the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. And he will do what? Teach you all Things. That's why two weeks ago, I preached on giving and 58 people gave their hearts to Jesus Christ. My God, Calvary, I'm gonna tell you, we will never speak the language of the culture. We will never speak the language of bondage. We will speak the language of the kingdom. We will speak freedom. Here's the language of the kingdom. He that the sun sets free is free indeed. Here's the language of the kingdom. Be ye separate and come out from among them. Here's the language of the kingdom. Be ye holy even as I am holy. Here's the language of the kingdom. Be saved, be delivered, and be healed. That is the language of the kingdom. Somebody give God praise if you're glad to be in a house where we speak the language of the kingdom. You say you want revival, speak the language of the kingdom. Apostle, I want revival. Do you really? Do you really want revival? So you say you want revival. Number three, revival only comes when and where there is a godly sorrow for sin. Okay, everybody was just shouting. I thought y'all were going to tackle me for a minute. But now you just drew up and said, well, amen. As the word of the Lord was spoken, what occurred was that the understanding of the people was enlightened. The people then felt godly sorrow. They felt godly sorrow for sin, and I want you to hear me. It's time for conviction to return to the house of the Lord again. I need a thousand people, maybe not everybody, but I need a thousand people who are ready for that kind of preaching. 
Open up your mouth and give God praise for godly sorrow, for conviction. That means that pastors and leaders and apostles and bishops are gonna have to check their egos at the door. That means they're gonna have to check that part of them that wants to be celebrated and loved by everyone and they will stand as a watchman on the wall and they will preach until tears hit the house. They will preach until conviction hits the room. The people felt godly sorrow for sin and I'm telling you it's time for it to happen again in the church of America. For all the people wept, verse nine, when they heard the words of the law. This was a mourning. That was a mourning and a weeping over sin. And I wanna tell you something today. I want you to understand something. Revival will not come without repentance. And until someone feels conviction, there can be no sorrow. And without godly sorrow, there will be no repentance. And without repentance, there will be no salvation. Because the Bible said in 2 Corinthians 7:10, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Where are the preachers that are unafraid to let godly sorrow hit the house until people begin to repent and say, God, we repent before you now. We gotta get godly sorrow back in the house. People now live any way they want to live and never feel convicted about it because the culture said whatever you wanna do, just do you. Just do whatever you wanna do, act every kind of way you wanna act, sleep with whoever you want to, do people wrong, cuss, talk about people. It doesn't matter, party like it's 1999. Come on somebody, lose your way, lose your mind. There's nothing attached to this walk, but where are the preachers that will stand up again and say repent, repent. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. Apostle, they won't like it. I'm not here to make you like me. Apostle, they won't like you. I don't care if you like me. If you will repent, I will have fulfilled my assignment. We're letting anybody get away with anything, including preachers. They can sleep with that one. They can, they can have sex with that one. They can hang out with that one. They can, they can cuss like that one. But let me tell you, we, we've got to stand up and draw a line in the sand. You say, what do we need to do? We need to do what they did for us when they brought us up. Repent, get in the altar and repent. Get on the altar and confess your sins. Well, Apostle. I was liking you so much. I'm gonna shake you up. Repentance ain't gonna begin in the world. Because the Bible said. For the time has come 
Tell everybody in your neighborhood, for the time has come. For judgment to begin at the house of the Lord. It's starting at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? So that means that if judgment starts in the house of God, then so much repentance. If you're ready for the revival that comes when the church repents, open up your mouth and give God praise. I said, who wants revival? I said, who wants awakening? Tell somebody in your neighborhood, say, hey neighbor. Say, I don't know about you. I feel this thing. Say, my apostle is preaching this morning. Give God a praise if you're hungry. If you want revival, expect tears, repentance, restoration. But I'll tell you what else comes. Praise. Worship. Freedom. I mean like you've never seen. I mean radical. I mean toe up. I mean laid on the floor. I mean so much snot that when people hug, they get stuck. Come on, somebody. I mean, you just like, you can't. I mean broke right down freedom and liberty. These preachers want revival, but they want it cute. They want a move of God, but they want it cute. But see, revival only comes where people have liberty to praise and worship God in freedom. Ah, hallelujah. I said hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Somebody give God praise for the radical thing that revival unlocks. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor, revival is a radical thing. Let's get radical. One, two, three, somebody get radical right now. So here's what happened. The Bible said that Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered, Amen. Amen. Let the church say amen. Let the church say amen. While lifting their hands, they shouted amen. Somebody throw your hands up. Wave them in the air and shout amen. Now give God a praise. If you can't say amen, say oh me. I said if you can't say amen, say oh me. But I dare you right now, shout amen. But then it went to a deeper place. The Bible said that they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces on the ground. We want it to be cute. But I want to tell you, revival is not neat. Moves of God are messy. Do you still want it? I said revival is not cute. 
Revival is messy. Do I have anybody at Calvary that still wants it? Preacher, if you're watching me, you better hear me. Revival has no respect for your comfort zone or your times or your programs or your service order or your time. Thank you for joining us for today's message. You can continue to be part of all that God is doing here at Calvary Christian Center. You can text to give at 386-866-3060 or you can visit calvaryfl.com slash give. We would love for you to subscribe to our podcast and also to share this podcast with your community, your family, and your friends. You can also stay connected by following us on social media at Calvary FL and by subscribing to our YouTube channel. Again, thank you for joining us.